Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today I'm joined by Timothy Flacca, co-founder and executive director of Commonwealth. Commonwealth is a national nonprofit building financial security and opportunity for underserved people through innovation and partnerships. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here, Maddie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm excited for this conversation too. Just speaking towards Commonwealth's area of expertise, which is financial well-being, with 2024 fully underway, what can employers do to support their employees' financial well-being? Well, first of all, I love that question. And uh, the first thing I want to say is sometimes the things that are closest to us, we can miss. So the most important first step as employers is to just remind ourselves that work and a paycheck that you provide is probably the most important financial factor in your employees, your workers' financial lives. And that might seem really obvious, but it's foundational because then it reminds you that as the employer, you have such a vital role to play in that employees, that workers' financial well-being and their overall well-being, and ultimately in their productivity, engagement, and, and kind of value as an employee. So that's foundational. And the next thing is to recognize that obviously this depends a little bit on your workforce and the nature of your industry. But poll after poll tells us that more than half of us report living paycheck to paycheck. What that really means, right, is that we're living in the financial present. We're living in the financial today. And, uh, you know, years ago, I worked in benefits and I know the we spent a lot of time thinking about, for example, retirement. And that's vitally important. But it's, it is important, too, to remember that for a lot of folks, uh, that's a sort of a nice to have that's somewhere in the future. But is the next paycheck going to cover the bill that's due Friday and the overtime hours I worked? Are they going to hit in time to help me with that tuition payment for my kids' daycare? You know, these are the things that consume us. So with that as context, what we've seen is a real shift of employers really understanding those realities and therefore prioritizing things like emergency savings, tools, and benefits in the workplace. And we see that trend accelerating. Uh, We'll probably talk about this in a little bit. Part of that is because of recent legislation. And we see moving to a broader definition of what we call financial benefits, right? So these are benefits that are trying to speak to that short-term financial reality of somebody, a worker living paycheck to paycheck. And they would include certainly the the, the emergency savings I talked about, but possibly other kinds of, of savings, maybe for caregiving expenses, for health expenses, possibly debt repayment tools, uh, student debt repayment, medical debt repayment, just generally starting with this lens of that person who's living in the financial today and and thinking how uh, to manage it. And the very last thing I'll say is that we're also seeing an increasing recognition that benefits choices, both the details of the particular benefits you offer and which benefits themselves you choose to offer, have implications for equity, for racial equity and for gender equity. The reality is that the distribution of financial insecurity in this country disproportionately falls on communities of color, Black and Latin communities, and women-headed households. So when you offer tools and benefits that speak to that day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck reality, 
you have a greater odds of being relevant to and doing something constructive for your employees of color and, and, and women. Those are what we're seeing underway and excited to see developed this year. Yeah, definitely. And like you had mentioned just a little bit ago about legislation. So one of the biggest kind of like financial wellness pieces of legislation that took effect is the Secure Act 2.0. Would you want to like get into that and how that really like transforms retirement savings for the workforce? Yeah, we're super excited about this. And as many of your listeners probably know, Secure 2.0, as it's called, was buried in the large omnibus bill that passed at the very end of 2022. And one of the things that it included, it included a lot of retirement legislation, but for the first time, policymakers recognized that the retirement system enabling and focusing on short-term savings was a, a legitimate purpose, right? Not just long-term retirement savings. And specifically what it allowed was for employers to automatically enroll workers into a short-term emergency savings feature in their workplace-based retirement plans. Uh, so this is a real potentially revolutionary development. Most folks are aware in the benefits world of what a powerful effect automatic enrollment has had for retirement savings, really transforming participation rates. So for policymakers to say, now you as a plan sponsor can include an emergency savings feature within your retirement plan and if you want to, you can automatically enroll workers into that emergency savings feature, obviously with the ability to opt out for workers who don't want it, don't need it. That's a real potential game changer. There was also a provision that would allow plan sponsors to let participants take up to $1,000 a year out for emergencies. So really two provisions around emergency savings. And then the second piece relates to student debt. And the idea that employers could recognize plan participants who make student debt payments, they could recognize those as if they were contributions to the retirement plan and therefore make matching contributions into the retirement plan on the basis of student debt repayment. So this is really the, the first time that the retirement system has also recognized the role of debt in preventing and undermining and distracting us from retirement savings. So we're really excited to see these two new sets of levers of tools available to plan sponsors and really encourage employers, plan sponsors to talk to their record keepers and ask, what are they doing? When will it be available? How do I find out more? Because the data is just so clear that, you know, the overwhelming majority of us are not adequately prepared for emergencies with savings. And there is a tremendous amount of student debt, again, that disproportionately falls on lower income households and households of color. And of course, that's been in the news a lot because of all the different policy conversations. So the odds are that your workforce, depending, of course, on who they are, but are thinking about, concerned about uh, student debt payment, especially now that federal loan repayment obligations have started back up again in the last several months. Yeah, I've been feeling that myself. <laughs> But the SECURE Act, I think it's really fascinating, just like the two main tenets of it, that it's kind of speaking to equity for people across all stages of life, whether you're like a recent grad or you're continuing to pay off those student loans or you're getting ready for retirement or you're looking forward to retirement. So kind of in that vein, how can HR leaders better support people's financial wellness in all stages of life, whether they're, you know, dealing with student loans, looking for a down payment on a house, being caregivers, looking at retirement, kind of the whole gambit? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And my thoughts might sound like common sense, but they're worth calling out. It really starts with understanding who your workers are and where they are and what their needs are. 
because they are different for those of us at different stages of life. And so it's impossible to prescribe a one solution, but I would say that's, you know, point one, really try to understand, think about, and figure out how you can understand where your workers are in terms of their financial needs and their life cycle. And then the second thing that follows from that is to try to think about a broader set of potential tools or benefits than you might have thought about in the past. You know, we now see so much momentum around emergency savings in the workplace. I don't know that that still feels like a new or unusual idea, but certainly, a, you know, five or 10 years ago, that might have felt like something outside of the mainstream for the benefits industry. My sense is probably student loan management and student loan repayment is on a similar journey, having gone from seeming like, no, that's not really our concern to now being something that an increasing number of leading employers are really thinking about. So inspired by those examples, I would say, try to be open to what a broader range of, again, we use this phrase, financial benefits might look like. If your workforce has a lot of folks who are dealing with caregiving needs, whether that be for folks who are older than them, parents and or kids, that might encourage you to think about different kinds of savings tools to allow people to prepare for those caregiving expenses, just as an example. Uh, and the last thing I'd say is that sometimes as benefits professionals, we feel constrained by what our vendors are offering. And that's real. We're all busy and we can't build whole new systems uh, in many cases. But the number of times I've heard benefits provider leaders explain that they want to be responsive to their customers just reminds me that it's very important not to hold back if you see a gap in what you'd like to be able to do for your workers in terms of benefits or financial benefits. Speak up. Say to those record keepers, those brokers, why doesn't somebody offer something that looks like this? Because it may be on a drawing board somewhere at a vendor and they need to hear that signal that one of their employer customers will use it if they build it. Yeah, definitely. Like One thing I've seen getting a lot of traction in the financial benefit space is um like on-demand pay, like you could take out part of your paycheck before you actually get paid before payday, just as sort of like a, not a long-term emergency fund thing, but like if you're in a pinch and you have something you need to cover immediately, there's an option there. Maybe we're thinking of the same thing. The earned wage access industry is... That is the word for it. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think they're both. The, the on-demand pay is an interesting piece of that. I'll tell you quickly what I like about that is I feel like that product or that category is recognizing what I talked about a moment ago, that so many of us are living in that paycheck to paycheck financial present. I think what's not yet clear is whether those solutions lead to long-term workers being in a better place. And I think the details matter a lot. You know, our workers being asked to pay some portion of their wages in order to access them, that doesn't seem like that's something as an employer that I would want. You know, we work hard to pay as well as we can in many cases and to see any of those wages eroded to a third party we wouldn't want. But in other cases, that's not true. So I, I think it's really important that there's innovation happening there. And I encourage benefits leaders to look closely at the details on those. Yeah. And with that, beyond like programs that you can enroll your employees in, whether it's like emergency savings, stuff like that, um, a big role of financial wellness is just being educated on how to like properly save and properly budget. Do you have any advice for leaders on how to teach their workforce how to have like a healthier viewpoint of their finances? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think you're spot on. There's so much out there around financial wellness or financial education. I will admit, in our work, we're a little bit of uh, skeptics about that because sometimes it becomes the easy thing to focus on to just say, yes, you know, 
if our workers were quote unquote better educated, then they would have more financial security. And I got to tell you, I, I really don't think that's in most cases true. It's like a, how in an ideal world your rent is less than what, like 30% of your income, but that's not always feasible, even though logically people know that's like, you know, a good step to take. Yeah. So my advice on this would be that it's important. Most of us do want to know, you know, we have a natural desire to have information about our things that are important to us, including our finances. Just don't let that be a substitute for offering real tools because education and awareness building alone kind of aren't enough. Uh, and then the second thing I would say, you know, if you can try to be responsive to the particular things that your workers, your workforce are interested in learning about, because it's one of the truisms of education. When somebody wants information, they're going to take to what you offer. But if you put out stuff that nobody's really asking for, you know, it'll sit on a website and you can check a box saying we have a financial wellness, you know, suite or app, but it probably won't do anything for your workers. And and I'll just use that as a moment to say, you know, our view on this is that all of this, uh, whether it is financial education or whether it's early wage access or whether it's emergency savings or student debt repayment, the reason to do this, you know, we are a mission-driven organization, so we think about the mission impact. But the other reason to do this is that you as an employer have an incredibly strong vested interest in the financial welfare of your workers. And so if you are putting energy into something that's not resulting in that outcome, that outcome being more financially secure employees, then you got to ask yourself whether you're getting the return on the investment that you need. You know, it's just really, really clear across a number of academic studies and just basic common sense that workers who are less stressed out, less distracted, are going to be better employees. There's even one study that shows truck drivers have fewer accidents on the job when they have greater financial security. So you, you can't even imagine all the ways that this shows up in the workforce. So, uh, so back to the financial education, if, if you know, that might be another case of saying to your vendor, show me how this results in that outcome. And if so, let's do it. Let's put that content out there. Let's promote it. Let's market it. And if not, then let's, uh, let's keep asking ourselves how we get closer to that. Yeah, definitely. So since this podcast airs on Fridays, my favorite way to wrap the episode is to ask what you're looking forward to this weekend. Well, so I'm, I'm in New England. We're outside of Boston and we've gotten some snow this week. And so I'm looking forward with my 15-year-old daughter to heading up north somewhere and finding some, some slopes to do some skiing on. So that's not true for every weekend, but that's what's on the list for this weekend to, uh, to offset all the normal chores that go with weekends in my household. That's awesome. My sister's in Colorado, so she, like, every every Saturday is like, I hit the slopes, and I'm just incredibly jealous, because you know how it is. You got to go up to Vermont for some uh, <laughs> some good skiing, for the most part, especially with the weather we've been having. Yes, and Colorado, I think, is probably almost always a better ski experience, so. Oh, she's going to be so spoiled if she ever comes back east to ski. <laughs> but I hope you find some good, as close to powder as you can get in the Northeast for you and your daughter. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, Manny, thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate the chance to talk to y'all and hope you can do it again sometime. Yeah, same here. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.